Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Hey, Andrew. I, I feel it's the summer, so we have a little bit more leeway on the pod to discuss things. Um, and I wanted to talk to you because just as I was about to um, to start the podcast tonight, come into the my little room where I record, um, I noticed that my girlfriend was watching the Sex and the City spinoff. And I had chance to just catch a few minutes of it. And it's it's like so bad, <laughs> just like so terrible. But... I'm not allowed to say those things anymore because of my consistently dumping on everything that she watches. Oh, like, no. It's criminally bad. And I told her that I would be better at that, that I wouldn't make comments in the middle of a show while she's watching. So I'm trying to be better at that. I was just thinking if if we were like caught offside is what it is. And then after a few years, we go away for a bit. And if we came back, what what would our show look like? Uh, how would it have morphed over the yeah. course of like 10 years absence? Yeah. Well, I have a feeling our viewership would dwindle. <laughs> I think so too. Um, that, that would be one. I think we wouldn't even do it like as a podcast anymore. We just get together and talk to each other, but in podcast format. So let me ask you a question on this new sex in the city. Is it all the <laughs> same cast? I'm not familiar with this. This is Everybody- off my radar. Everybody except the the woman, the the actor lady that played Samantha, she just hated all of them. <laughs> Did you no, hear that I, somewhere? Or are you just jumping to that conclusion? No, she she didn't hate all of them. She hated um, the main one, What's Sarah Jessica main? Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker. They had a big big wow. falling out, and she wouldn't come back. And Samantha, for a lot of people, like they're on the original show, which now seems so much more cutting edge than this um, this latest iteration. Uh, Samantha was like the character they showed up for. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be a better person because. Well, you're I've, not off to a good start. I have terrible habits. Like You've come on your show. You said, I, I'm not going to criticize my girlfriend's shows anymore. So what you've done is you've come onto your show, listened to by thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And you've criticized it here. Is that better? I'm not sure. It's not better. And, and it's not just her because I don't want to seem like I'm picking on her. I have, a, I have a thing with like, music and TV shows where I just speak my mind too kind of stridently. I have another friend and she would send me songs, right? She'd send me, Oh, what? you, you might really like this. Give this a listen. And in capital letters, I would send back. <laughs> just send it. Like, instead of saying, Hey, you know, I, I appreciated that bit. Don't think that's my cup of tea. No, no, no. Just it's, uh, you're, you're delivering this as though it's news to people like <laughs> we've been talking about ted lasso for years i know i like, know everyone we all know you by now this isn't yeah. this is not a revelation we understand yeah, it's, it's bad though i need to be better because like i'm i'm a social person i'm i'm, I'm a i think i'm a good conversationist when I, you've seen me out with people right i'm good with people very good right but you 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 can kill that after a while if you keep demeaning their interests. Oh, yeah. Whatever do you mean? Anyway, let's start the podcast. This this is like a a mixed salad of a podcast. 
Yeah, this will be a fun one. Uh, you have chosen once again to start the podcast in the most bizarre way imaginable. What does that mean? Which is becoming a, a common theme over the last couple of weeks. I'm reckless, uh, man. I'm yeah. absolutely reckless. No, the, the, I'm out of control. I'm a maverick. The chains are all to do. Like you just said, for some reason, I don't know. What would you say to start this podcast? Because it's the summer now, we have more free reign. As if, like, there is no more overlord. We can do whatever we want, whenever we want. You feel like shackled, I guess, during the Premier League season that we we must get to the Premier League. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, I'm all for, and I'm for it now. I think this is a weird way to start a podcast. Now, I instead will do the professional thing and tease. Later on in the podcast, I have three shows that I've watched recently that I'm obsessed with, and oh. I'll, and I will reveal them later. That's the professional way. Um, now we get into the meat and the bones of the podcast, JJ. Uh, there's a lot to get to. We're going to talk, of course, about the U.S. Gold Cup performance against Jamaica the other night. Uh, there's some managerial movement that we need to talk about, including one that I feel we were a little bit bereft in our duties. We didn't mention uh, Bournemouth's managerial change uh, last week. I, I, I think it happened after, though. I'm pretty we've, sure. We've had a pod since. We've Have we? Definitely. Well, ha- ha- yeah. We, we've... Well, that is remiss of us because yeah. uh, Gary O'Neill has been tossed aside, <laughs> absolutely thrown on the scrap heap, and they've embraced uh, uh, multiculturalism, I suppose. Yeah. Kind of an extraordinary turn of events for Huge a Huge get that, for them, yeah. like a massive get, which if you were ever in any doubt about the power uh, of the Premier League and the way it is just now sucking in all from managers, players, sponsorship, money. It's this vortex that we always talk about on this podcast. It's eating football alive. And uh, and that's another example of it. Now, the fact that Bournemouth can get this higher uh, is remarkable. So, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that, although you kind of just did. That might that might actually have been the end of it. We might have fulfilled our obligations there in talking about the Gary O'Neill. And an Iraioli. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that. There's a, a few transfer-related things that we want to get to. And then, JJ, there's a mailbag. It's not a huge mailbag. You've you've gone with, I guess, quality over quantity. Uh, but there, this was it was only a matter of time before the uh, Greg apologist Andy hate mail started to flow in. I knew that it was coming, even though I genuinely think that I am not an apologist. I really believe that I'm just kind of like looking at it rationally. Uh, but I don't think that there's room for that sometimes in the, the bear halter debate. So the, the mail has begun. I knew it was coming. And so that, that will also be addressed later in the podcast. So we'll get to that as well, but we'll start JJ with what occurred this past Saturday night at 9.30 Eastern Time, a.k.a. 10.16 or whatever the actual kickoff time was. I will never stop being mad about this. It just is what it is. I'm sorry, everyone, if you're bored by it, but I'm just angry when they do it. Uh, The U.S. and Jamaica 1-1 is how it ends. Uh, Before we kind of get into the details of the game, I just want to say this one thing about that result. And I'm not necessarily saying that I've seen a lot of people who are freaking out over it, which I actually think is is good. Um, and here's why I think that. Like, to me, this is not like that that game, that one one, that draw is not an outrageous result for a US men's national team B slash C squad against that Jamaican team. No, it's just I, I... not. Like Mikhail Antonio has 33 appearances this season for West Ham. Leon Bailey. 33 appearances for Villa. 
Uh, Damari Gray, 33 appearances for Everton. Bobby De Cordova reed 36 appearances for Fulham, a top 10 side. Like Andre Blake, if he were American, might very well be America's number one keeper. Like I was just thinking about it, JJ, when that result went down, about like my initial instinct to be really mad about it. And then I was like, I kind of took a step back. And I was like, after Kuvo in 2017, we came on this podcast and basically like it was some sort of New Year's resolution. We were going to no longer be arrogant. We had the buzzer, the shocker that like every time we were arrogant about American soccer, we we're going to shock, uh, get the bzzz, you know, the electrocution. Like we, we had we to used, shock ourselves back into coherence and we, we had to weed out the arrogance that had kind of taken over American soccer and the way we felt about the soccer in this country versus other CONCACAF nations. If we were going to look at that Jamaican squad the other night and then look at the American team that they were playing against, and if we're going to sit here and say this is an embarrassing result for the U.S., then it means we've learned nothing by this reduction of arrogance that we said we were going to undertake after that result because that Jamaican squad is a good team. And this American team, A, hasn't played together literally ever, and B, is missing all its best players. So, like... And again, I'm not mad at anyone because I have not seen any outrage, really. And I think that that's actually there's a few there's a good. few com- there's a few comments. But he- here's the thing where I think you've 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 misread the mood of okay. the nation somewhat. Not for the first time, by the way. Um, <laughs> the the mood is not. Oh, like th- that. That's terrible. Uh, where is U.S. soccer going? Let's investigate MLS. Let's investigate the pyramid. Let's investigate USSF, Bear Halter, the whole thing. It's not that after this result. What I found it to be was we have our pinatas. And when we see them on the field, they will be beaten. So you've got Jordan Morris, Aaron Long, Matt Miazga. And, and now add, add, add this, this gentleman to the pinata list. DeAndre Yedlin. And so people have just had enough of these guys. Like it didn't matter that the first team couldn't play in this game. It didn't matter the first team weren't available. It didn't matter that this was quite markedly the US men's national team's B team. There is a vent, and it's mostly online, of rage against the lightning rod players that we've talked about before. Well, there's, I mean, and they're going to get it. They're they're just accept they're going to get it. I agree with you, actually. In fact, I would go as far as to say that Jamaican team is underperforming for the players it has. Totally agree. Right. Um, They're winless in their last 11 games. That That's so poor. Now, look, some of those players are new to their – like, that was Damari Gray's debut for Jamaica. Um, you know, some of these players are, are new to the Jamaican program. Um, but I would tend to agree with you. Like, and And I haven't seen in a long time a more hilarious – uh, set of uh, par- pattern of play than Leon Bailey's penalty, which was so crap, so unbelievably terrible. And then the follow up. Well, yeah. I mean, how can how can it's like as if I am going to fully commit to this travesty, <laughs> and I'm going to make the follow up worse than the actual penalty. But but yeah, to to just circle back to what you're saying, I don't think I don't think it was a. It wasn't a terrible performance for for a, a team that hadn't played together ever. Uh, there was debutants. There was there was uh, new formations. Were they comfortable? They certainly weren't. I don't know how many times they looked to play out through the center of the park and they got caught in possession twenty five yards out from their own goal. Whereas 
if that was the senior team, that just wouldn't happen anymore. Those kinks had been ironed out. Um, yeah, they did. They look. There's there's a lot of players just on this team that I I can't remember who put the tweet out, but it was like the fact I never have to see. I hope I never have to see Morris Long and Yedlin play for the first team again. That was the that was the 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 tenor of what I was picking up on on the internet, and um, I I. I get it. I get people have had it enough of like when I, there was one moment of of awareness that I think both player and those watching had. It was like symbiotic. The ball goes down the left hand side. It's an, it's a basic pass, and Jordan Morris miscontrols it and it goes out over the line. Hmm. And instead of just kind of shaking it off, there's just a there's just this, this flash, this moment of resignation. Oh, everyone is going to be all over that. It's as if at that moment, the tweets landed on his shoulders, you know, hyper aware that they are the, the, the kicking like Jordan Morris is, what would you say? He's been a, he's a hard worker. He's come back from two terrible injuries. He's a functional winger in a, in an old style. He's not, the player we thought he would be when he came out of Stanford, but he's a fine player. He's a decent player. He's not that, he's not top level. Like we get that already. Like we understand that, but he still must go through this process. It was, it was interesting before the game. Um, I think it was one of the, was it one of your accounts? Um, was it MLS buzz or something? Um, was actually retweeted. Um, by who was the player, Andrew? I sent it to you by a US player. Um, I don't know. It was it was our friend Paul Ariola. That's who it was. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that where Ariola's like uh, MLS Buzz or whatever account it was mentioned him starting Greg starting Ariola in some game, and it was only because he got injured. That, yeah, and um, Paul Ariola tweeted. I remember fans tweeting, "Thank God you got injured, man! What a great feeling! You guys are awesome." Right. Um, so, so I, I, t- did you that, want me to read the ML, MLS yeah, Buzz tweet? Yeah, can you? Uh, the, the initial tweet from MLS Buzz, you were right. Said, "Remember when Tim Weah only became a USMNT starter when Paul Ariola had to pull out of a starting eleven because he injured himself in warmups? That was from June eighteenth, twenty twenty three, and I guess Paul Ariola. Um, yeah, so that was last week. So they so let me tell you those areolas the the um uh the Jordan Marses they know they know about this this is this is their role now they're they they just get beaten up and they're going to continue to get beaten up um so well, what do you think is what is that like Jordan Morris to me I don't know like it doesn't quite I guess people. Look, people want to see the best players playing for their national team. So I I guess I can't say I don't understand it because when he comes on, it means that he's on instead of somebody that you would probably rather see. But in terms of like turning a guy into a punching bag, like he's such a to me, I, I look at Jordan Morris and I see such a success story like that. He's come back from catastrophic injuries mm. like he actually got the European contract. He got his chance. And unfortunately, he it was undone by injury. And that was a setback. But he worked his way back into the national team picture. He has scored huge goals for club and country over the course of his time as a professional. Like by all accounts, he's a good dude. Like, be, I don't know. Like 
these guys like the the selection like the way we go about choosing our punching bags it just seems sometimes so so unusual these guys these guys are all totems of of a larger conversation surrounding u.s soccer about mls uh are these players worthy or not i remember that the absolute crushing that uh, Aaron Long got in the in the lead up to the World Cup, we got rinsed by Brandon Vasquez in a FC Cincinnati Red Bull game, and we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, he's out of position. Yeah, it's terrible tracking back, but like they these guys are representative of a larger problem in U.S. soccer in the minds of those online, in the minds of the anti bearhalter of the anti MLS of the anti American based player. And so when this B team comes out, all you're going to hear is just moans and complaints. When Morris forced, um, went to, uh, the U.S.'s best move when Morris was played in and Andre Blake made a good save, I, I could just, across the country, I could hear the groans. You know, in Bruce Almighty, where all the prayers are like coming into his head at right, once, right. that was me. I could hear all the groans of American soccer fans. This is just where this B team is going to be uh, for for this tournament, and if it gets to halftime on Wednesday against um, Saint Kitts and Nevis, um, you'll hear even more. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like it almost feels sometimes like it's like an active, almost like rooting against. Yeah. Certain oh guys. yeah. And I, and I think that's just there's something about that that just kind of that just kind of bothers me when when you're doing it to guys that I think are are good guys who have worked their ass off. And look, we didn't want Aaron Long on the World Cup team. Like I think like you know, but uh, I don't know, maybe I'm picking and choosing and and moving the goalposts in some way, but I feel like I just feel like there's a difference between saying I don't think he's good enough to be on the team versus some of what you sometimes get. But uh, you know, that exists in every sport. It's not just a US soccer thing. I think that's just sort of like modern social media. Um, and you know, it, it is what it is. Um, in terms of the game itself, uh, I mean, look, not a great performance. Like I said, I think Jamaica is actually a a decent side, but the U S also didn't look very good in this game. No. Um, you know, we talked after the Mexico game in the nation's league. And I remember saying sort of like going through the 11, I can't pinpoint a guy and tell you, I think he had a bad game tonight. Well, the other side of that is sort of this Jamaica game where like if I were to go through the side, I don't really know how many guys I could kind of pull out of that and say he really stood out to me tonight. What a performance no. by X. You know, I, I mean, yeah, there were some like there were some I would say there were guys who had good moments, but maybe not necessarily a, like good games overall. Like I, I thought some of BJ Callahan's substitutions, he got it right. Like I, I think that he made some changes that looked like positive changes that the U.S maybe looked a little bit better after certain changes were made. Christian Roldan coming on. Uh, I thought he played well. Uh, I don't know how he didn't score. Um, you know, he, through that, there was that really well-worked move from uh, Mihalovic flicking it onto Ferreira, who played it across to Roldan, and, and Blake made a spectacular save. Um, he prob- Roldan probably should have scored there. By the way, with that move, I also didn't love that Roldan then took the rebound right to the side of the head immediately after returning from a lengthy concussion absence. Yeah, that, that was, was not that was a little bit unnerving, but he stayed in and he seemed absolutely fine. In fact, the, the very next time downfield, he took a shot that kind of narrowly went wide, a little high and wide of the post. Uh, so, you know, I thought he was okay. Um, yeah, like, but like, does that, well, any of this matter? Like, like really, well, it does. I don't well, think we, I mean, it's if jockeying you wanna, for if you want to win, the... if you want to win this tournament, like sure. it matters, like I, w- I would like to win this trophy. And, and I think like I get to me, I get a kick 
out of seeing our BC squad win this stuff. Yeah. Like that's cool to me that like, wow, look at these guys like good for them. But, you know, I think, I think that's neat. I think it kind of, it can shine a light on certain players. Well, I mean, look, Jesus, look what the gold cup did to miles Robinson's career. You know, so there are potentially opportunities for certain guys here to stand out in a way where they will play a role in next summer's Copa America. So this is not this is not nothing to me. I, I think that this initial performance against an OK Jamaica team, um, you know, they made a good point on the broadcast, the broadcast on Fox that like, look, if you remember the last Gold Cup, that first game against Haiti, it looked a lot like this. Now, that Haitian side was worse than this Jamaican team yeah. and the U.S. was able to win one nil. This Jamaican team is a little better. It was one one. It's not altogether shocking with a B.C. squad that's never played together before against teams that are bringing a squads. This is you're going to get this. These games are not necessarily going to be works of art. Um, you know, some other guys like I know you mentioned Tolkien, J.J., uh, you know, again, not a great game, but good moments like he had the one in the first half where he was really well positioned. Jamaica was had that threatening cross right in front of Matt Turner and Tolkien was there perfectly to to clear it away. Um you know, Brandon Vasquez obviously scored a goal. That's great. Good for him. I, I want to see him playing well for the U.S. Uh, I really like that guy a lot. Uh, Matt Turner saved a penalty, which is good. Um, but overall, I, I don't know. Am I missing anyone where you're like, eh, no. that guy deserves recognition? I don't really – it wasn't a whole lot. No, I don't think so. Um, and I, I don't think it's a game we remember for a long time. I do think Vasquez took his – finished well. Sure. Um, By the way, but like – What's the alternative? If he doesn't score there, it's it's a moment of of true horror. <laughs> I know, but I, I I still liked how how confident the finish was. I'll put it that way. I, I I'm I'm I, I I guess there's something to like positional awareness. As that cross comes in, he knows no one's going to get to it. But if I put myself in this spot, there's a chance that that ball is going to come right back. It shows me. good instincts or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm not sure there's much more we can really take from this game except you know on to the next one and uh, yeah. Just, I think it was a game that happened. I will say this, and I'll continue to say it. I, th- I think there's more to come from this Jamaica team if, or there should be more to come from them when you look at the players that they're putting out there. And so in, in that context, it's an okay result. Uh, for us, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, look, the, the goal that we conceded, not a great moment for Matt oh, Miazga. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, not good for Matt Miazga. Stu Holden was all over that. Miazga played every Jamaican attacker onside off of the uh, Damari Gray's ball into the box. Uh, and he was kind of just pushed right. Was it Mikel Antonio that sort of was able to just body him out of the way? And Damian Lowe had a free header. Um, that wasn't great. Alan Sonora, you know, this is a chance for someone like him, a playmaker, committed seven turnovers in open play. Can't Not have good it. enough. Not good no. enough. So, you know, it's only game one. These guys will see the field again. Hopefully this is going to be a prolonged stay in this tournament for the U.S. Anything other than that would be a big disappointment, of course. Um, so they'll have other chances to make up for it. But you're right. In the end, I'd say... Game that happened, not up in arms over it, not thrilled, not devastated, just we move onward and upward. Goodbye, US MNT versus Jamaica. I will just finish on this note. The Jamaican kit is absolutely fire. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. The jersey's perfect. Perfect. Uh, Adidas or Adidas, as you Yanks say, just uh, nailing it. Nailing (laughs) it. And the socks, love the socks too. Brilliant. It's the, the whole ensemble. Fantastic. Our blue thing, it's not terrible. It's like, our so, blue thing? You yeah, mean that, our uniform? That's what they said. They said, Oh, this is the, the this we're wearing this jersey for the first time. And I was like, You could have fooled me. Yeah, there was no pomp. There was no real like rollout with that one. I think they we, learned their lesson with the World Cup 
kit rollout. And also this 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 country changes its kit far too often. Um, and I thought at the World Cup we had with the white kit, at least we kind of an established home kit. I hope kit. not. Well, no, but I mean color scheme wise. Oh, well, we always have a white kit. Yeah, I know. But like you don't know what they're going to wear. Like you don't know. And we have just we seem to it seems to be a new kit every year and they come yeah. and they go. And lately they've all kind of been a mush together for me. They're they're not good. They're just not good. There's nothing uh, dis- distinctive about them. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super fond of what we've been doing here lately. No, Wait, we went. We went through such a good stretch. If you go back and look from like, probably like I don't know, oh two to to twelve. Like there was like a ten year stretch where I really felt good about what we were putting out there. What happened? I don't get it. I don't know. It's not right. Kids these days, they don't understand how to put a good quality piece of material together for a soccer team. Uh, let's see, JJ. I don't, yeah, I don't have much else on this game. Um, I don't know if you have anything else on the gold cup. I'll say this props to Mexico in this, in a, in a really bad moment. They went out there, uh, with this group four nil, um, to kind of, I guess, settle things just a bit, by the way, they, we haven't been on since they fired, uh, their manager. Did we talk about that last time? No, that no. They, in between. Yeah. That happened in between. And, uh, and look, it's amazing. The amount of weight has been put behind this four nil win. Like they really are looking for the turning point. And I think they might be looking for it a bit too early, but it was a 4-0 win. It was very comfortable. I think Honduras had only one shot on target. Um, Mexico had like 17 total shots. So it was more like what they're looking for, but they really are looking for a turn. They're, they're looking for some kind of revival anywhere they can get it. Well, I would say this then. It is incumbent upon the U.S. to not let that happen. And that's, that's a heavy burden put on a B team, but... Like, don't give Mexico any reason to feel good about where things are at right now. Correct. So when these teams do meet, that game matters. Like, you don't want Mexico to start building momentum and think that they're okay again and build some confidence in, in their national program. The U.S. don't, they don't want to let that happen. Um, my, my last question on this, JJ, the uh, the Gold Cup roster itself, if there was not a Copa America next summer, do you think that this would have been an A-squad Gold Cup or is this just is this just what it is now? I think it's just what it is. And I mean, we're nearly in July, Andrew. There's there's uh, players going to be going back to preseason in Europe really, really, like really quick. So every other region, uh, every other part of the world gets to have a tournament where players can play in it, but uh, but we can't. What is I, that? I just, I just feel like, and I, I think the players themselves as well, realizing how important it is to try and get the the game time that they need to at their clubs just will prioritize too. And it just seems as if it is the... The kind of ugly sister of tournaments right now. Well, I'll say this right now. I'll go on record. If we have a Copa America next summer in the United States of America, and we don't send our A team for that tournament, I'm out. I ah, know they will. They I'm will. Out. They definitely will. There's, there's that is that has a prestige beyond uh, the Gold Cup, Andrew. It would be one of the great shames in the history of this country. It won't happen happened. like that. Everyone's going to show for that one, and it's going to be a dress rehearsal for two years' time. Then. Has to be. Has to be. And I'm sure it will. Nothing to get stressed about. Uh, let's see. We continue now, JJ. I know you want to talk about some of the managerial goings and comings and stayings and sackings and all that. Uh, and let's start in MLS with Bob Bradley. Gone. Gone. <laughs> did not see it. That Did not see it uh, shaken out like that. Three wins in 20 games. What, uh, a, what an absolute mess. And I feel like with, with Toronto FC right now, 
like when you look at the the initial period of Toronto FC and then you look at this period of Toronto FC, you now start looking at the Greg Vanny period as just like this oasis in the middle of a desert. Like, yeah. how did it happen? Was it real? Like, you know, they were, it was so incredible, but everything before that was Drek. Everything since, despite all of the quality talent and designated players, name brand players, and this manager, Bob Bradley, an established great American manager, Drek, crap. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. It is. And, um, I mean, just, basically on his sacking injuries aside, you can't have the most expensive roster in MLS and be second to last for goals in the East and have players like Bernadeschi and Insigne in your side. And then the rumors that Bradley didn't get on with those uh, star Italian players. Uh, and, and that was part of the reason he had to go like that. Well, I, I mean, it seemed, I guess rumor is fair, but it doesn't seem like a rumor. I mean, like, so what was it? A couple of weeks ago after the, um, the Austin FC defeat for Toronto when they lost late, it was nil nil Bernadeschi was taken off with like 20 minutes to go. He wasn't happy. And Bernadeschi said afterwards, he said, this is the real problem for me. It's impossible to play like this. We don't have any ideas of how to play. Uh, he then continued. He said, I think this team, the city, the fans, everybody doesn't deserve this. I'm really proud of the team and about every player because it's difficult to play like this. For me, we need something different. Oh, I mean, and he said, he's just, I mean, and then, and Bob Bradley came out and, and reprimanded him. Criticism by omission, basically. So, I mean, like, I, you can say the rumors of them not getting on. I'd say, uh, is that a rumor? No, that's not a rumor. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I did, my, my language was not correct there. I, especially considering Bernadeschi just said, everything is great except the manager. Right, he, I mean, that, read between the lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's, it's what he's saying. It's like if, some, if, if your partner asks you, do you love me? And you start listing everything that you love, everything that you love, and you don't you don't mention her. That's I that's love television. I love going to bed at night. I love, I love breakfast and eggs, waffles. But yeah, but what about sunsets? Me? But the question was about me. <laughs> I love sports. I love movies. <laughs> I I was reading the piece in the Athletic, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> so they have to make a decision. They there's there's a good chance because there's interest from European sites. There's a chance Bernadeschi and Insigne get out of here like that they're gone Oof, that would be that would be a blow not just to the to toronto but i'd say it'd be a significant blow to the league because they came in with a fair amount of fanfare these and they play- and they had moments where they've looked incredible yeah but these are players that lately. came off a european championship win uh they, they still had one more european move in them they weren't like they weren't close to being washed up and uh and now they could be going. Is it weird that Michael Bradley is the captain of the team? Yeah. I mean, he's injured, so I guess not. it's not an immediate problem, but it is yeah. weird, isn't it? It's, I don't know. That the, I mean, star, a, it, the star players basically got the coach fired, and that coach's son is the team captain. Like, it feels like there's a lot, there's a lot there. There is a lot there. Um I mean, Bradley is a senior pro in MLS, so the fact he's a captain of a club like that is not crazy. But no, certainly, uh, yeah, it did. Yeah, it doesn't work, does it? Feels like it. Just there's again, they're all professionals, so I'm sure they can all conduct themselves accordingly. But I would say that the ingredients are all there for a very uncomfortable dressing room. Oh yeah, and again, 
like I'd never want to to lean into ethnic or nation national stereotypes, but would you want two sulking Italian superstars in your locker room in a moment like this? I would have to say no. No, probably not. Probably not helpful, but we'll see what happens now. I mean, it's kind of an interim move in the meantime. Um, and so, I don't know. It's, it doesn't look good. Now, they're, I think they're only six points out of the last playoff spot. So, like, it's a move that for for all of Bob Bradley's achievements as a manager, it's a move that had to be made. Uh, whether or not he's wrong or Bernadeschi, Insigne, or they're wrong, I don't know. But like we say all the time, you can't fire all the players. No. You're only six points out. There's still time to get into the postseason. So it's a move that had to be made. No, it was the right decision. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the Premier League, JJ, where Roy Hodgson will continue to manage, manage Crystal Palace until the end of time. I worry about this one. He'd retired. He's 75. He comes back. He answered the call in their hour of need. He did brilliantly, made them comfortable. There was no last day drama. They were, they were home and hosed after you replaced uh, Patrick Vieira. Shouldn't you just get back to your retirement now? Yeah, like you've left in the best possible way a second time. I feel like there's no third time. I'd have major concerns. And I don't know. He's, he's a character in football that has had the most amazing career, Roy Hodgson. And he's 75 now. He was the like pioneering English coach that that went to places like Malmo and I think he didn't he he managed the Swiss national team and he ended up managing Inter Milan. Yeah. You know. And then he had that period where like everything fell for him with Fulham. It was it was fantastic. Um I mean he's had ups and downs. Blackburn wasn't good but he has that moment at, at Fulham and the next thing he's Liverpool manager. And then he endures a kind of a few years where it's, you know, it, it was a terrible fit at the, at a terrible time for Liverpool. And then it, and he's the England manager that loses to Iceland in spectacular fashion, dumped out of Euro 2016. And he goes back to the club football and it's like he reproves himself again. It's like his final act is to show that he was this great manager or this really, really good manager. I don't think he should come back. And I think, and I think as a club, whoa, 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 whoa. who are you? Who are you to say that? He well, obviously loves the hell out of this. Oh, he loved, well, he loves that club. I don't think he'd come back for another club. He absolutely loves Crystal Palace. And I think it's great, but I'm just talking legacy wise. I'm, I'm looking forward. I don't know that he cares about that. I think he genuinely loves this. He, he needs to Why manage. retire then? Why'd he retire at all? Well, maybe it took that retirement to understand how much he missed it and how much he needs it in his life. You're banging on about retirement all the time. Oh, like I, you, I, I would do it tomorrow. You wouldn't do what you would not do in your context, not football management, but in your context, you would not do what Roy Hodgson's done. No. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> I would do this. I'd keep doing this. Yeah. I'd do this forever. Sure. But the rest of it? Yeah. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, he, he loves this. It pays him handsomely. Um, he loves the club that he does it for. Um, I think it's just, yeah, I don't know. I think he's, he's happy to do it. He uh, obviously, or he wouldn't. So good for him. Uh, I'm good with it. Good for him. Um, another, uh, now we go from the end of a managerial career, potentially, 
to the beginning of one JJ's Robbie Keane. Where's he managing? The the bizarrest news this morning that popped up on my timeline when I when I got out of bed. Uh, he is now taking over at Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israel. Hmm. Um, now he was last seen. Uh, the last time I saw Robbie Keane was at Ellen Road with a circle of bedraggled Leeds players around him, kind of giving them like a pep talk uh, after a game that they'd lost um, under the tutelage of Big Sam. Uh, I don't know what to make of this. Like, so here's his here's his coaching resume so far. So he was Atletico Calcutta player manager in 2018. He then became an assistant to Mick McCarthy at the Republic of Ireland for two years, although technically longer. His contract, they gave him a four-year contract. His contract has just ran out last year, and he was paid through it. And he took, like, at a time when the FAI was, FAI was bankrupt, he kept taking the money. So he alienated him, himself a little bit from Ireland fans. Then he was Middlesbrough assistant manager um, under Jonathan Woodgate, wasn't it? I think it was. And that went badly. And then assistant at Leeds United for, for those games under Big Sam, that did not go well. And now he gets the job at Maccabi Tel Aviv. Now, I know what people are thinking. Uh, you know, the Israeli league, it's not, I mean, we don't talk much about it, but he's got access to the uh, Europa Conference League, potentially playing in Europe. It's his first managerial job. He's going to be managing in a stadium it's about 30,000 or something, and it's it's a really nice ground. And their fans are absolutely bat crazy. Lunatics. Um, this feels like a... I don't know. I mean, take away the legendary status. What's he done to, to kind of get himself to this position? Apart from being Robbie Keane, one of the best players we've seen in, in the Premier League era. Well, what are you saying? That he's not... He's not worthy of this posi- of this managerial appointment. But that's his first job. I mean, I mean, I know. I again, it's the Israeli. Not, it's I, not I think like. It... I don't want to. Like, yeah, it's a club that I am familiar with to a certain extent. But like, JJ, what is what is the Israeli league like? If we're if we're ranking the leagues, is uh, like I know twenty fifth. I don't know. Like, I accept I accept what you're saying, but. Like, like, like if he's listed... not starting there, then where? Like, I don't know. I think he's kind of doing what you always say you want aspiring managers to do. Like, it's the Lampards that bother you, the guys who kind of walk mm-hmm. into cushy jobs. Like, to me, this is he's done the assistant thing for a while. Okay, now he's he's starting out in a lower European league. Yeah, it's cool that they they're going to be able to play some European football in the Conference League. That's nice. Um, but I don't know. I. I don't look at that and say, like, who does he think he is? I don't see it quite that. Maybe no, I'm, I'm disres- I don't mean to disrespect Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, but I yeah, think, I think it's a, a potentially like a really good, good role for him. And if it goes well, it's going to be, it's, it, it's, it, it could be fantastic. Um, now he's going to, he's going to take some heat for taking a job in Israel anyway. Um, in Ireland, there's a large uh, pro-Palestinian rights uh, movement, kind of always has been. He also had a brief spell at Celtic, where we know Celtics take a political stance on on Israel and Palestine. So he's going to take some heat from ta- for taking that as his first job. Like, 
the argument will be you you couldn't take a League One or a League Two job. You couldn't do that or a championship job. You had to go to Israel. But uh, nevertheless, I am I'm I'm curious. I'm very, very curious. My gut is he won't be there long. That's my gut. For better or worse? Or just worse? I just don't I I he does me as inspiring as a manager. Okay. Where do you uh, rank him in your Tottenham players? My favorite Tottenham players? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Probably somewhere in like the ten to fifteen range. Oh wow, way down. Okay, is that way down? They've That's had way down. hundreds. I don't know. They've had a thousand since players you started, since watching. started watching them. Since you started watching, Robbie Keane is that far down? I mean, you want? Should I? Are we doing this? Are you going to make me do this now? Don't do all. Oh, I got to start please. listing. Nobody players? wants this. Oh God! No. Well, yeah, it seems like you do. Just give me your number one, and then I can gauge why he's at fifty. Uh, Kane. Right. Favorite players. Okay. Kane. Uh, I mean, you know, the way I felt about Bale during his time at Tottenham, you know, sure. Aaron, Aaron Lennon always has this place in my heart with Tottenham. One of probably my first favorite player, uh, Modric. Oh my Pavlyuchenko. God. I don't, I think I would take Keane over him. I, I'll tell you who I, I don't know that I, I'd probably take Berbatov over Keane. I think he's one of the all-time underrated Tottenham players. But they were a one um, and two. Berbatov and Keane, they became a byword for playing together, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, and like Keane and Defoe also a yeah. little bit. Um, but I just love Berbatov. I mean, yeah, and then there's like the weird ones. Like Clint Dempsey was there only one year and oh, didn't do a ton, but like it was so – he scored so many like big, weirdly big goals for them. Scoring in the snow against Manchester United at stoppage time. Yeah. Scoring at Old Trafford to get them the win. Like he he did – like I can't help it. You know how much – he's my all, he's probably my all-time favorite soccer player. Um, I don't know. You want me to keep going? Where? Why? No, where I'd, ra- he, I'd rather not. Rank for, well, you asked. All right? You asked. But, well, so I'm if you done don't want now. the answer, don't ask the question. Well, why? Where does he rank for you with Irish players? Um, When he was in his pomp – I mean, he's our greatest ever goal scorer, 68 goals. There's no one even close. There's no one in the same ballpark. Uh, now, some people say, well, he padded those with a lot of goals against Oman and Gibraltar, but like he had huge goals against big teams too. Um, I, I would say that like those early years in around 2002, he's absolutely fabulous. Brilliant player. Oh, man, I forgot. Moussa Dembele, I forgot about. He's probably in my top three. For Tongan, Alderweireld. Okay, we got guys. it. We got it. So I apologize for for saying the 10 to 15 was too harsh. That's perfect. I think I mean, that's a, a, a huge compliment. Yeah, I thought he'd be higher up. Ledley King. Good Lord. I'll go all day. Okay. Uh, let's see, JJ. Um, I think that was it for managerial moves. We'll get to some transfer stuff in a sec. But before before we do that, JJ, we, we got a little transfer. We got a little mailbag. Uh, but JJ, I want to tell, tell you, if you don't know by now, then, then there's just something wrong with you. That support for Caught Offside is brought to you by Manscaped who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. So join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. We've talked about inside the package, you find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of it. I love the travel bag. It's fantastic. Just a great just a great piece of equipment. Um, I wore the boxers the other day, too, for the first time. As a oh? Yeah. Did they, they give great. you the support, the support you need down there? They were great. 
Because I've heard you hang down there quite. You well, where a... where'd you hear that, huh? Where'd you hear that? <laughs> Are people talking about that? That's what they say. Unbelievable. <laughs> this, uh, there was there was a nickname for you in the studio. <laughs> oh. Yeah, go on, old Longball Andy. Yeah. I I hear that. What a what a comment. Um there the Manscaped fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skincare technology, skin safe technology. Yeah, the, uh, the lawnmower four the, oh yeah, the the yeah, the ceramic the the cutting edge ceramic blade that is that's everything cuz I've been through the wars down there. Oh, I mean, you've you've left your bathroom I, and Terrible blood, a bloodbath, literally. I've, I've seen things, JJ. I've seen things that no man should see and experience things that no man should experience. But never again. You know why? Because I got Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CAUGHTOFFSIDE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I'm telling you, you'll get this. You'll never go back. It's the best. Uh, let's see, JJ. There's a little bit of transfer talk here. Uh, start with Tim Weah, who looks like he's on his way to Juventus. Interesting move. I'd say uh, I'm I'm a fan. Now, you know, I had my come to Jesus moment without with all of this with U.S. men's national team players and where they're playing in Europe. And my my hypothesis or my theory is that maybe it's best that they never, ever play. Right, right. So Tim Weah going to Juve. Uh, I don't know. Does that maybe does that mean there's less of a chance that he plays? If so, I, then I yeah, high five to the move. I mean, possibly. It's interesting because if you look at his his starting statistics, I was on transfer market, um, or transfer marked today, and you know, it's it's not like he starts all the time in 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 league on. He doesn't. Now, the start of last season, he had some injury problems. I I understand that, but like. Uh, transfer mark to have him down for like 51% of the minutes. Um, starting 11, 47% of the time. So, you know, if he's going to Juve, now he's at, he's 23. So it would be considered it. Maybe this is the age where he kicks on. I, like, I'm not sure he starts in Juve. Again, I'd have to think about a little bit harder about Juventus and what they're trying to do. But well, um, I mean, look, positionally, it's, it's so interesting because we have, we have one idea of what he is. Yeah, watching him with the U.S., but he's not that in Europe. Like they're talking, Max Allegri. The talk is will employ him as like a wing back. Yeah, and that he's done that at, at in France at Lille, um, which is just not something we would ever associate him as being that. But he might play that position more than he does sort of right attacker for the U.S. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't. I mean, look, ultimately Juventus is a huge club. And playing in Syria A is a step up from playing in league. Uh. So for those reasons, yeah, I'm for it. I, I want these guys to try to be playing on the highest levels that they can um, to test themselves. And and who knows? You're right. He's 23. He's entering his prime. So maybe this will be kind of a, a big moment for him to really, he'll be surrounded by hypothetically by better players that can maybe make him better. Um, so I think it's, I think it's good. He's testing himself, and uh, I'm excited to see how that goes. Best of luck to him. I'm such a fan of that guy. Like, I really, I, I really do have such respect for him because, like, how many moments, JJ, would you say there have been since, like, in this current era of the U.S. men's national team, 
where when we're looking at what the 11s could be, I feel like there's been so many different guys that have come along at different points that the the, the thinking was, okay, well, if somebody's going to get pushed out of the starting 11, it's going to be Wea. Whether it was Aronson or Gio Reyna, yeah. I feel like I'm even forgetting other guys that it could have possibly been. That Wea was always the one who would go, and it's like, no, he he won't he won't let it happen. He's proven himself to be too valuable in too many big moments. That like, stop everyone. He's not the guy who's leaving that starting eleven. It shouldn't be him. Uh, he's proven himself. I, I I really I give him a lot of credit. I no, really I agree do. with you. Um. Let's see, uh, Declan Rice, JJ. Do we have do we have movement here? We we have Jacob Steinberg expects that Manchester City will seal the deal. Um, he says they stepped up their attempt to beat Arsenal to the signing of Declan Rice by making their first bid for the West Ham midfielder on Monday. Arsenal have had two bids for Rice rejected. Um, City want the England midfielder to replace Ilkay Gundogan, who completed his move to Barcelona on Monday. They've sent West Ham a formal proposal. 80 million plus 10 million in add-ons. West Ham have been holding out for at least 100 million for Rice, and it remains to be seen how they respond to City's offer. The London Stadium were unimpressed with Arsenal's opening two offers. Arsenal's second bid was 75 million plus 50 million in add-ons, but they wanted to spread the initial part of the payment over five years. West Ham want the guaranteed portion to be spread over fewer installments, and that's where you think City can gazump them and get in there and get Rice. Arsenal Uh, fans are not going to accept this. If if they if if Arsenal allow Man City to go in there and do it, I feel like Arsenal fans are they they have they want this guy. Well, I think the next bid for if the next thing Arsenal will have to do, as Jacob points out, is that they'll have to bid at least a hundred million, straight a hundred million. Now, would, would you do that for Declan that's, Rice? Well, that's on the same. Well, here's the problem. That's on the same day that Arteta says we have to spend more, yeah. or we have not more. We have to spend. We have to bring in more players if we're going to challenge again. More players. You spend $100 million on Declan Rice, that is going to impact your ability to get other pieces in massively. So there's also in the background um, Thomas Partey, who we feel as if, and again, I don't know what I'm allowed to say legally, so I won't say anything, but who looks like he'll be gone out of Arsenal or gone out of England. Um, so Arsenal really do have to spend. And have to spend across a few areas and a hundred million for rice. That will just, I mean, it, okay. You get Declan rice, obviously, but that's going to hamstring other areas of need. Yeah. Um, I, look, I think pretty highly of him, but I, I do have reservations and think, I just don't think of him as a hundred million pound player. I just don't. He is, he's but, like, he's impressed me this season. Uh, way more, um, way more than he has in previous years, and 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 look, City going to go. He's going to work under Pep Guardiola as a midfielder. It's kind of a dream, I suppose, for him in yeah. a way, and a nightmare for everybody else. <laughs> uh, let's see, Luka Modric, JJ. There was a lot of talk of Saudi Arabia being his next destination, but that will not be the case. He signs an extension. He's going to stay at Real Madrid. The ageless wonder. Um, um, I'm, I'm happy for that to continue. I was not ready to be done with Luka, Luka Modric. No, I, I think it's great. Um, Fabrizio Romano had a funny, uh, just a funny phrase tweet uh, earlier today uh, regarding that. And where is it? Let me just dig this up. I should have had it, but it's just, it's just the way it was said. Um, 
how he respectfully turned down Saudi Arabia for a year longer at Madrid. Now, look, he's a player that you would be. When you see the way he operates at this level, you just don't want him to go anywhere other than the top level. You want to be able to watch him all the time. Um, so so it's, I'm delighted he didn't. Oh, my God. There's Hakim Ziyech in an Al Nasser jersey. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I'm sure crazy money, too. Anyway, it was. It, it doesn't matter what Fabrizio wrote. He just said it. He very respectfully declined the offer. All right. Um, yeah, here it is. Uh, he decided to turn turn down the bid with the utmost respect. Well, that's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. I would love to know how he communicated this utmost respect. But him staying at Madrid, I think, is just kind of good for everyone because if you're still an operator at that level, you need to stay there. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Mason Mount and Manchester United. I don't know that this is going to happen. Talks have now apparently. Jesus. Can United get anything done? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you're like you're right, but again, what are what are they supposed to pay for Mason Mount, who's coming off a really poor season? But the, I mean, the one of the fees I saw was that Chelsea wants sixty nine million. That doesn't that sound like a lot to you? Way too much. All right, so then I don't know that like it's easy to make United a punching bag. But would would they be like? Is it damned if they do, damned if they don't? Like but we're like, going to make fun of them if they can't seal the deal for Mason. Well, I'm not making but then fun if they of the... drop seventy mil. We'll make fun of them for spending that on a guy who just had a really bad season. But but like um, I, I'm not. But I'm just saying, how can Liverpool go and get a World Cup winner and Alexis McAllister for like four pounds fifty? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, I think I, McAllister I, wanted to play for Jurgen Klopp. I know, but even still, like I mean, well, you know, a big deal. I mean, that's United the, have that's Champions League game. football. Liverpool don't. Like, I, I don't understand. And I'm also not sure that they should be putting all their, or trying as hard or spending as much energy and time on Mason Mount. I really don't. Uh, and then finally, um, ESPN reporting that Real Madrid remain, quote unquote, hopeful of signing Kylian Mbappe this summer. Despite the public proclamations of Mbappe that he will be at uh, PSG next season, they are really, according to ESPN's multiple sources, trying to force the issue for this summer not next summer, this summer, to get out now and that Real Madrid are going to try and make that happen, which I think is, it would be spec absolutely spectacular if that were to come to pass. Just incredible, yeah. And it would kind of signal the end of the, not the end of the Qatar era in at PSG, but it would be a significant blow to it. Oh my he, God, huge. You, and, yeah, I, and, he, I, and Neymar would likely be shortly to follow. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Yes, there's still an amount of money in that club that they're going to continue to bring good players in and they'll still be a threat of some sort. But it felt like this was their go for broke moment. Um, Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, like this was this was pushing all the chips to the center of the table. And if it doesn't work, you would think and they lose these guys, then there will have to be some kind of reevaluation on how they're going to do business moving forward and what kind of player they want there, because um, it would be a, it'd be considered a huge failure. And yeah. if they, but they, but I do think that this is the most they can't allow him to leave for free, right? Like, don't if, if they know Mbappe is going to go next summer, which is certain to happen, they got to act on it now. I think they got to do all they can to try to strike a deal now because, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess so. I, 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 I would, <laughs> there's a part of me, a very perverse part of me, that would love to see all these players together at Real Madrid. Like, what would this thing look like? I mean, I remember being a kid when, when Real Madrid would put together these squads at the start of the 2000s and you you knew every single pair on the team. You were just, wow, what a side. 
And then after a while, the kind of cynical, jaded part of you is like sick of it. And especially when they're beating your team. <laughs> um, and you just think it's all about the money. But I would love to see Kylian Mbappe there. I think it'd be amazing. Wow, that's not like you. No, I, I do. And it's also his wish to be there. Like It's his boyhood dream that's kind of been hijacked along the way by a loan move from Monaco to PSG, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how that's going to go. We'll see. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got a mailbag to get to. Um, In which I, you are castigated for your opinions. Yes, which which is fine. I've always said, if people disagree with opinions, I'm okay with that. I can live with that. Um, it's the personal stuff. That's that's when it's that's when it's too much. Like when you find out people are talking about you know how low you're hanging, things like that. That's you don't need that. More caught offside still to come. Oh, back now, JJ. I said at the beginning of the podcast that I recently watched. I said three shows, but I guess four. I guess I could say. I think it's four now. You're uh, really back in your groove with the shows. Yeah, yeah. I'm really grooving. I'm grooving with it. Um, what? No one says that. You just did. I'm. Re- I said you're back in the groove, and you said I'm, I'm really grooving. grooving with it. Yeah. Just let the groove die. Uh, I watched. Um, well, Black Mirror is back, a show right. that I that I thought would be gone forever. Uh, I didn't think it was ever going to come back, and when I saw it suddenly reappear on my Netflix, I, I got I just love that show. Okay, I just, and I've never watched it. I just enjoy feeling uncomfortable, which is so out of character for me. But for some reason, that show they do it in a way that I love it. Right. I I, I don't know. I think you would enjoy it. You should watch it. I think you'll. I think you. Quite would like dark, it. isn't it? Very dark. Very. Very. Okay. Not every episode. Every episode stands alone. Mm-hmm. There's not a link between episodes. They're all they're, indi- gotcha. they're individual. They're mini movies essentially. Yeah. And there, some of them are spectacular. They make you think about everything. They leave you like it's the kind of show, JJ. I don't know if you watch shows like this where like there are certain episodes when it ends. I'm like, well, I'm having a nightmare tonight. <laughs> you just know it. Like you watch it late at night. You're going to bed shortly after, and your mind is racing. And you just know, yep, nightmare happening tonight. And we know the only other the only other show that does that to you is the Alligator Owl. Uh, <laughs> the, sorry, the Alligator Owl, the Alligator Hour. If there was a show called the Alligator Hour where all it was was alligators, that would do it for you. That would yeah. kill you. You know what other show did that to me? What? Season one of Homeland. Every episode, nightmare. Seriously? Yeah. I don't know why. Season one of Homeland. It was wow. like clockwork. Sunday night, yep, having a nightmare tonight. It's Homeland night. Do you know the last show that kept me up that I couldn't sleep? I was terrified. This is embarrassing. Really I, bad. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the, na- the, the, the name of it. I, I, I probably banished it from my mind because I'm so afraid. You don't remember it was, what it's called? It was this, Emilia Jovich was in it. And it was about these alien abductions in Alaska. And they set it up as a, um, like that it was a film based on real life events. And um, I watched it and I I couldn't sleep that night. It's it's over 10 years ago. I'm not familiar. I literally. Who'd you say was in it? Millie Yehovich. Millie Yehovich. You've never heard of her. She's the uh, girl from. uh, Oh, like, isn't it Mila, like. 
Jovovich? Now I don't know. Now now you've confused me and I I know. Have I put doubt in your mind? I don't know how to say your name now. Um, Uh, I'm not familiar with the show, though. I want you to find it, though. I'm I'm going to find it for you now. Oh, yeah. The Fourth Kind. Okay. I don't know that one. Yeah. um, All right. Since the 1960s, a disproportionate number of the population in and around Nome, Alaska, have gone missing. Despite FBI investigations, the disappearance remain a mystery. Dr. Abigail Tyler, Mila Jovovich, a a psychologist, may be on the verge of blowing the unsolved cases wide open. When during the treating of her patients, she finds evidence of alien abductions. I tell you. Okay. It's so dumb because I guarantee you people have watched it and they thought this is the stupidest. It frightened the life out of me. Interesting. Uh, My other ones quickly. I just watched Ghosts of Beirut on Showtime, which I thought was very good. Four-part okay. kind of miniseries, based, sort of based on a true story about uh, the terrorist um, Ahmad Mugine. It was, uh, I thought it was it was very good. I uh, am currently watching the show Tehran on Apple TV, which I think uh, I'm really into, enjoying that mm. one. And then JJ, um, I watched Jury Duty, and I thought it was spectacular. What a What a feat to pull off that show was. It'd be like, like if I told you right now, by the way, JJ, this thing we've been doing, I, I just want to tell you, uh, I know we've been doing this for 10 years. This is not a real podcast. I'm not even a real Tottenham fan. I don't know anything about soccer. This has all been staged. Like if I said that to you right now and it was true and suddenly people came out of the woodwork, like somebody well, came out. Oh from my God, like the Truman Show. It's a lot like that, except they really went and did it. It's a spectacular like oh. TV achievement. Oh. Oh, no, 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 no. It's hilarious. It's so funny. You got, I, I highly recommend it. I thought it was spectacular. Wow. But also, could, this is, this is, by the way, not a real podcast. And I, oh, I, I, I That would shatter my brain. Oh, my, I, like I'd have a meltdown. This is all just a social you. experiment to see if we could get you to do this week after week for all these years. And I have, I haven't missed a yeah. week. Yeah. What the hell is uh, wrong with me? Uh, we have a mailbag. We do. Uh, caught offside pod at gmail.com at co soccer pod and uh, caught offside pod on Instagram. Go follow us and go go leave reviews on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere. Um, let, by the way, let's get the, the Apple iTunes reviews up to a thousand, please. Yeah, okay. let's do that. We're, we're teetering in around nine, nine thirty or something like that. So oh, we're, right we're right there. We're right there. Edward, this is always this is, uh, something I've pondered and I don't really have an answer to it, but. I'll give it a stab. Do either of you have any insight into the way injuries are reported in Europe versus the US? As an Arsenal example, Saliba missed the last quarter of the season with a back injury, but unless I'm mistaken, it's never been more specific than that. Even when Gabriel Jesus' knee injury, we had to infer it was his meniscus. I feel like injuries are much better reported in US leagues. Is it a privacy thing, you think, or just football teams wanting to keep things as tight to the chest as possible? The latter Uh, part. First of all, this is not true. Because go and look at the injury designations in the NHL and then get back to me. Really? Upper body injury. Ah. Uh, That's what they call anything in your upper that happens from the waist up. Super vague. Lower body injury. Okay. That could mean that could mean anything. So, uh, so I think it might vary league to league. Can I be honest? Mm. I, I don't know if people have a problem with that. I don't think we have any need or business knowing what their injuries are. I don't, why do I need to know if a guy's hurt? 
if they if they deem some reason to, for it to be private, I'm fine with that. I don't people, feel any need to know. Because people love to know, well, if it's an ACL, we know that's six months, five, six well, months. Well, if they tell you months. roughly how long a guy will be out for, like then that's that's what you need to know. But I don't need to know exactly. Like, I, I don't think I really need to know if it's, you know, what the exact injury is. But I, certain certain clubs do keep it close to the chest. Uh, Liverpool are one of those clubs. I remember with Oxlade Chamberlain and, and Virgil Van Dijk, we knew what Van Dijk's injury was, but the timeline for his recovery when he was coming back very vague. Same with Oxlade Chamberlain. Um, yeah, it's I guess it, it it it's down to the discretion of the club. Uh, Justin Pellico. By the way, there was just the loudest crack of thunder outside my window. Really? Yeah. Okay, oh, that's rolling in. Oh, here comes another. Oh man. Well, I can I'll hear tell you, JJ. When I was a kid, when I was little, if this were happening right now, I'd be essing my pants. Would you really? I, I loved was, it. I was terrified. I like, always late at it. night, if I was in bed, if there was a crash of thunder, oh my god, forget it. Terrified. Wow. Yeah, it's all coming back like to me now. I Hold always look. I was. I. I always loved it, and when I came to this country and saw how spectacular it can be, I'm. 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 I'm close to the window, as is not too close. Obviously, yeah, that's where you want to be. No, but I want. I want to. I want to look out the window and watch it. It's amazing. Um, Justin Pellico, I need to talk to Andy. Greg is ruining a generation because he keeps calling up Zimmerman, Long, Morris, etc. Hello. It took him so long to finally call up Scally over Yedlin, and Pepe wasn't called into the World Cup. Bro actually put in Reggie Cannon over Scali in the World Cup. I don't get how you defend him. Okay. So how concisely can you do this? I'm not going to be combative. Like I understand why people don't love Greg because guess what, everybody? There have been plenty of moments where I haven't either. But I think part of this for me comes down to like Justin, you and I, I think just, simply have different different thresholds of what ruining a generation means. Like, take a step back here and think about what what your words are and tell me if this is if this is the definition to you of ruining a generation. Like, you believe a generation of American soccer has been ruined because you disagreed with two out of the 26 players that were called into a World Cup squad? Like because because like the last two men on the roster were not the two who you wanted. It means that a generation of American soccer has been ruined. Like we're, I don't know. Like I just, I don't see it that way. Like there's been things that Bearhalter has done along the way. Yeah. Like I would agree. He probably took a little too long to bring Scally into the fold. Like, I think that that, that was something that we said we wanted to see on this podcast, but like, him not doing that wasn't something that would cause me to say he's ruined a generation of American soccer. Like I do play. I, I think I've come to find that there are people here who, who value the way a team looks over what a team is achieving. Um, and I don't know if I'm fully there, like the trophies and the stuff that the U S won and advancing out of the group. And like that stuff, that stuff held value to me. Um, I've come to find that I don't think that that's true for everyone. I'm not saying which one is right or wrong, but I think that there are fundamental differences there that are is hard for people to kind of see the other side. And that's what's caused Bearhalter to become such a lightning rod because it hasn't always looked great, but he's won stuff. So which one of those two things do you value more? Um, so yeah, I mean, ultimately that's, I don't know what else to say about it. Like I, I, I don't blindly love him. I know people think that because I don't blindly hate him. Yeah. I would say this. 
like I think Copa America will be very telling for what his future is with the national team, because I know how important the 2026 world cup is here in this country. They can't afford to get it wrong. Bearhalter, I, I guess in their estimation has done enough to keep the job. Uh, if Copa America is a, a failure and we'll decide then what that is, I, I don't know if I can say just yet what I would consider that to be, but on the eve of the tournament, we'll all, we'll all know. Um, if it's a failure, that may be, that might be the end for Greg. And they'll have two years with a new manager to figure it out for the world cup. And if it's not, then here we go. Like, get on board. I don't know. Like, I mean, am I wrong, JJ, that like a guy, like a fringe player for a World Cup team, like you kind of, you disagree with the decision and you are going to sit, you're going to then make the leap that that is the basis behind you believing a generation of American soccer has been ruined. Like, that's what I'm hearing here. Like, I'm supposed to go along with that. Yeah. I I I would be more on your side with that. Um, I do think that there were certain bear halter favorites that hung around a long, long time, uh, and the fact that they were out of MLS gave them a certain a certain stench for for people who are anti MLS, anti anti bear halter, and um, like I see some of the points he's making, but suppose ultimately I kind of favor your side. I don't think it's ruining the generation. I think that's, I think that's crazy talk. And I just kind of feel like we, we, like I've said this before that I feel like we've, we've moved the goalposts with what is or isn't acceptable with Bearhalter. Like what are the things that we're going to hold against him? Like for the longest, you know, everyone was up in arms. Why won't they give Tim Ream a chance? And then like, then they brought him to the world cup side and started him in every game. And it's like, well, what are you going to, so what are we going to be angry about now? And like, we're just going to always find what, like when Bearhalter checks the box of the thing that we were mad about before we move on and just find a new one. Like, Oh, well, like why is he not giving Cameron Carter Vickers a chance? Oh, he's on the world cup team now. And I feel like it was just constantly, it was constantly that way. Like no matter what, something was going to be used against this guy because of the the initial fatal flaw of the way he was hired. Exactly. The original sin of Triple G will never be never be washed away in, in the minds of these people. Finally tonight, a bunch of you have alerted us to this kind of wild thing that's happening in NWSL. So the men in Blazers tweeted this out. Um, the muscle cramp tw- uh, treatment hot shot is quote-unquote, taking names in NWSL. Now, whoever wrote that tweet, why can't you just speak English? <laughs> taking what do you mean? names. What, what's wrong with that? Just say the hotshot is, is, is causing controversy or is creating a stir, like taking names, for God's sake. Casey's Michelle Cooper and Angel City's Alyssa Thompson recently had a taste of the super spicy treatment which gets rid of cramps by overwhelming nerves in the mouth and throat, stopping the signal to the cramped muscle. Like, in, basically, interfering with the nerve pathway is how I read that. Like, and you think, okay, fair enough. And then you watch them take this stuff as they're cramping, and they're in contortions. <laughs> it's like they are about to be exercised, like a demon is about to leave them. It's absolutely sick. I sent you a video. I don't know if you looked at it earlier. When did you send it? Just there. Have a look at it now. Look at their oh, faces. like seconds ago. Yeah. Look at their faces when they when they take this stuff. <laughs> the way they react. Oh my god. So I went to. A, <laughs> oh my god. I know. 
So I went. This is not. This is cruel and unusual. Right, right. This is straight out of Guantanamo Bay. Um, <laughs> What's going on here? Right. So I, yeah. I mean, it's so spicy that it creates <laughs> creates this reaction in the mouth. This is like if the guys from Hot Ones were allowed to design physiotherapy. You know, That's... this this is what they come up with. Um, so I asked um, a friend of mine. Uh, an expert in this area works in soccer, physiotherapist, top, top guy, uh, Andy Serafin. He told me, my initial thought is the science behind why the product was created in the first place has some merit. The science they use to prove its utility is quite questionable, which doesn't mean it's not true. It's just questionable. They have some valid points on cramping being a central nervous system issue, but cramping is more than a central nervous system issue. There are more things to it than that. That being said, it looks like it tastes like and I would never give something like that to one of my players unless they asked for it. Lol. Which I have to agree with. Like, yeah. I would not just hand that to a player on the field and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this. Also, isn't part of cramping um, a denial of like sugars and salts to the muscles? Like, so. Yeah, I thought it had something to do with dehydration, right? Yeah, so how does this cure that? I mean, it stops maybe a simple... I mean, maybe it distracts you from the fact you have a charity horse or your, your hamstring is, is tightening. I don't know. But, the, I mean, it's the videos that are coming out of it. It's just like... Yeah, I, I, I think I'll take my chances with the cramp. Yeah. Yeah, that's... The words to live by. I'll take my chances with the cramp. I mean, and that's right. the podcast, if, Andrew, for tonight. Yeah, well, there you go. What a what a podcast it was. I'm sure I've made more enemies. Now I feel bad about my bear halter points. Uh, I'm I'm an apologist. Maybe I should just deal with the fact that I am. Maybe I need to seek help. Uh, I don't. Do you, I don't like, know. I know you don't love confrontation, but like, do you like you second guess yourself all the time, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I do. And it's good to have self reflection. I'm a bit like that too. But at some point, you just have to say, "This is what I think," and I'm walking away from that now. I've yeah, just no, said it. No, there I, it is. Deal with it. Yes. And that is how I feel. Like, I I don't know. I, I just think that he's he's critiqued in a different sort of way, I think, than maybe other managers. Maybe that comes with the territory with this job. I don't know. I don't know who the manager would be that we would all get on board and be cool with everything. Carlo Ancelotti. That would do it. Uh, yeah, probably. Until the first, you know, 1-1 one, one against Panama. And then here we go. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, who this knows? Was, this was kind of fun, considering I did the rundown, and it's usually you're usually skeptical about that. This was this was fun, right? Yeah. When am I skeptical about that? Uh, you don't trust me with certain things, certain aspects of this only show. our social media account. Is that it? Everything yeah. else you're good with? Yeah, I trust you with everything else, even when I talk about your long balls. Yeah, yeah, even that. So, do I have to bleep that? What? What? Tell me. What do I have to do now with that? <laughs> Is this does it this was, get an, an explicit it the, rating? It was in the manscaped. Yeah, I guess that's true. Read section, which which covers the groinal area. Boy, there's a there's a lot of thunder going on out there. All I gotta right. I gotta find a corner to hide in. You do that, and I'll go look after my screaming da- daughter. She's giving Pray the thunder me. tonight. Pray for me, everyone. Uh, this was fun. We'll be back. What are we doing, JJ? What's what's Wednesday night look like? I mean. I think it's scheduled to kick off at nine o'clock. So that means a quarter past midnight, we'll right. get it going. Right. It's St. Kitts and Nevis. I mean, I know, but we've got to do a second podcast anyway. So it just ties in with that. So I so guess in other words, early Thursday morning, guys. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Maybe uh, we'll, should we pod? Should we do like a live 
Uh, are we allowed to pod while the game is on and comment on it in real time? We are. We are. Oh, yeah, we are. But we can't do play-by-play. No, that's illegal. That's illegal. Yeah. I learned that from Mike Francesa. Mike Francesa, in the middle of his show, would tell you how the Mets are doing, would give you 10 minutes of play-by-play and then say, but we can't give you play-by-play. <laughs> Too late, <laughs> Right, Mike, as if off. that in some way absolves him of everything he's just done. Correct, correct. He did it in March Madness. He he literally called the finishes to some of the best players in March Madness. And you're, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. You can't kill a guy and then stand over the corpse and say, you know, murder is wrong. And think that that gets you gets you off the crime. Mike, at one point, Mike thought he could. Uh, this was fun. We'll be back. I guess you'll hear. I guess you'll hear our recap of the USMNT St. Kitts and Nevis Gold Cup group stage match early Thursday morning. So keep your eyes open for that one on your feeds. Like JJ said, please rate and review the podcast on uh, Apple or Spotify. Review um, and keep interacting with us, whether it be as one of the animals on Reddit or on Twitter. Even if you disagree with our opinions, that's fine. That's what it's all about. JJ, to you I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, brother. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 